Welcome to this episode of The Decade Podcast, where we delve into the realms of holistic sustainability and how we can create positive change. I'm your host, Melker Larsen, and today we're about to embark on a journey with a guest who exemplifies endurance, purpose, and a commitment to making a difference. Our guest today is Damien Hall, an ultra runner, author, and activist. In our conversation, Damien shares that running 100 miles can condense a year's worth of living into a single day and that there's something beautifully simple about the act of putting one foot in front of the other. And it's this simplicity that holds a powerful allure for him. We dive into an initiative Damien is a part of called Into Ultra, which explores uh, inclusion and diversity within the running community. But our discussion isn't confined to the trails. Damien is also an author, and his book, We Can't Run Away From This, explores the colossal environmental footprint of the running industry. It's a story of fascination, but also of sobering concern. Throughout our conversation, we touch on how Damien balances humor and activism, his views on dealing with climate deniers and the importance of not coming across as holier than thou in the sustainability space. He reminds us that perfection isn't the goal, it's about being better, not bitter. We also explore practical steps to address sustainability within the running community, from opting out of races with high carbon sponsors to the power of speaking up and encouraging others to hold the big players accountable. So if you're ready for a journey that spans vast distances, both in miles and in purpose, join us in this episode as we lace up our running shoes and venture into the world of ultra running with Damien Hall. Welcome to this episode of the Decade Podcast. Today I am joined by Damien Hall, who I'll introduce in a moment. But firstly, how are you today, Damien? Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, pretty good. Thank you. It's a sunny, sunny Monday here in the UK. Sunny Monday in September. So yeah, no, feeling good. Thank you. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. If I would describe you, there are multiple titles that goes with your name. You're a record-breaking ultra runner. You're a coach you're a writer, and you're also an activist. And I think those titles also connect into each other a bit as well. So which label do you ascribe to yourself mostly, would you say? <laughs> probably the probably runner. Probably runner is the one that comes um, most readily to mind. Uh, but maybe that's because it's a simpler and less complicated uh, uh, and more, yeah, simpler and more joyful one than some of the others, which are more more complex or more, more work-related, I suppose. Um, yeah. yeah, runner. I call it runner. That'll do. So let's start there, though, because I think talking about your running will uh, help us frame everything else that you do. So in terms of being an ultra runner, how did you get into that? And why is why are you so into ultra running? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm still trying to sort of unpick that. I've, I've even written, yeah, to, to, to allude to one of my other labels, I've written a book trying to unpick, you know, why why do people run 100 miles, you know, mm -hmm. voluntarily when to the to the outsider it sounds an absurd, unnecessary, and probably quite painful idea. But um, oddly enough, to a lot of us, it brings a great deal of, I suppose, joy and satisfaction and and community and 
and and things like that. So I I um yeah I'm I'm, in, I'm 47 now. I think it was I think I was 36. I did my first half marathon. Um, signed up on a bit of a whim and just just really enjoyed it and thought I want to do more of this. And um, yeah, the next year I was doing my first marathon. Uh, and my first ultra marathon, which is, for those who don't know, is sort of, it can be all sorts of distances, but any distance above the marathon, really. So mm-hmm. normally it yeah. starts at kind of 50K, but it goes right through. I mean, 100 mile races are quite popular. Um, some races are significantly longer. Some go for many days, sometimes with with sort of sleep breaks, sometimes not. And yeah, I've, I've just found this whole world intoxicating, life-changing, really rewarding ties quite nicely with a perhaps a midlife crisis uh perhaps i mean i said mostly jokingly but yeah mid-30s late 40s and a lot of ultra runners are actually sort of <laughs> middle-aged white men unfortunately um but it's, it's changing it's changing it's changing but um um and yeah i got a bit carried away really i got so into it that four years after my first ultra marathon i was selected for the great britain team to to, to run at the trail running world championships and i was um yeah i suppose by then, I was at the towards the front of the more bigger, tougher, competitive races, and just and, and now, yeah, a few years later, I'm just about staying there. Um, although I'll be 48 quite soon, but um, yeah, it's just this wonderful world that that I found a little bit late, but it's booming in popularity. Lots of people are coming to mm-hmm. it, and I should say it's mostly on trails. Some ultramarathons can be on roads, and that that's fine, and, and some people like that. But usually, it's on trails, and I prefer it when it's in, I suppose, mountain terrain then you just really get this, well, just an adventure really in, in, in somewhere beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's been life, a life changing discovery. Mm, amazing. I don't have that much personal experience with the uh, ultra in particular, but I've done some longer races and longer trainings. And I think that's um, also a bit how I came into to your work and everything from this angle. I imagine there's something to I totally agree with you that the sense of adventure is really big in going out on these big races or trail runs. But uh, I think also one thing that I appreciate very much is kind of the the contrast between the grittiness that you're getting into and uh, how you feel coming back into normality afterwards as well. That you get you get to live much in a uh, in a condensed format in one way. I would say. Oh yeah, that's right on the button. I think. Um, there's a great quote from a um, a really good American runner called Anne Trayson, who who says she loves to, when you run a hundred miles, you live you live a year in one in a year in yeah. one day, which which really sums up, I suppose, the emotional sort of you know roller coaster you go through of of you know the the apprehension beforehand and maybe a bit of fear and doubt and 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 yeah, you'll feel fantastic at times and you'll feel desperate and miserable and pathetic at other times and you want to give up. So there's all of that, but then also yeah, I've only just a week and a half home from from a big race i did recently and um i mean i just love the simplicity of it as well you know it's quite nice to not have to think about well i I suppose emails or social media or other obligations in life i suppose and 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 for that time whatever that time is you're just thinking about progress really just forward physical progress one foot in front of the other eating as much as you can um and life suddenly becomes very simple and when you come back to yeah our sort of normal normal life if if you could call it that um suddenly everything's so i don't know fast and complex and fleeting and you can be quite nostalgic for this sort of um, i mean i used to get similar i used to be into really into trekking you know long distance walks mm-hmm. that was that was very similar and that's kind of why i like the sport in that it's to me it's it's a lot like these long treks that you might do for a week 
Um, but it's a bit, there's a competitive element, which isn't essential to me, but does, does make it quite exciting. Um, but I used to get that from, yeah, a bit of mountaineering and trekking as well, where you just, yeah, you go and just life is very simple. And there's something about that. I, I'm sure our lives must be too complicated and fast, really. Um, and it's nice to break oh, sure. away. Yeah. Do you also feel that there can be an element of the opposite that you go away and do your hundred mile race and then come back to an email and say like, Oh, you know, I can answer that. I've run a hundred miles before. That's not going to stress me out. <laughs> you get a kind of a perspective on what you're able to achieve when doing something that is considered extraordinary. Yes, I, I think so. Certainly a, a good sort of running fre frenemy of mine, uh, John Kelly, the, the sort of record-breaking American runner, always says sort of like he goes away, you know, in, into an ultra marathon, and, and it sort of teaches him lessons that he can bring back and and use in in sort of everyday life and i was asked recently am i a better person you know away from running now that i'm you know because of my running i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't totally sure either way but i went away thinking well i think i must be really you know i suppose i'm, I'm i hope i'm a sort of happier maybe more confident person i'm certainly doing things well for example like public speaking i don't i don't love public speaking but it used to terrify me the idea of it used to terrify yeah. me now especially if the public speaking is about running, then, then um, it's not nearly so terrifying and I can do it. I don't go around volunteering for it, but, but it's not the end of the world now. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter so much. I mean, what kind of, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So it's definitely, it's, it's, it's helped me in normal life as well in some respects, although I can, it's difficult to pinpoint some of those, but it, I definitely have a feeling that it's helped me. Mm. And I think that's a good background because I wanted to latch on to what you said earlier with that the ultra running community is mostly middle-aged white men. And I can relate to that as well, being a swim runner and also being an organizer of a swim run race as well, that it's a lot of upper middle class, uh, middle-aged people who find themselves in these uh, endurance sports, um, which is a shame because uh, it's, um, it's really great, both the sense of community and the sense of getting out there in, in wilderness and in nature. So uh, I wanted to touch on this uh, initiative that you're working with, Into Ultra. Can you tell us what that is about? Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so it's quite a new thing. If I'll be honest, it wasn't my idea as such, but a, a, a friend came to me and, and, and said, you know, could we do something to try and make ultra running more accessible, really? Because, yeah, the, the demographics are usually yeah, middle-aged, middle-class white men, um, and there's definitely a cost barrier uh i mean it's not i'd say it's not like triathlon for example where you might need an expensive bike um and so on but there is usually quite a bit of kit especially if a race goes into the mountains then they sort of say well you must carry this and that and this and that mm -hmm. and and yeah as well as the cost of the race and potentially travel you know that could quickly be that could quickly be well over a thousand pounds you know and, and some people don't have that and and that's not that's not really fair is it um i, I must say i mean to actually just go for a long run, usually, I mean, you just need a pair of shoes, but, mm. but after a while that might not be enough. You know, you might, you might want to explore the, um, well, the, the bigger Hills or, or do some of these races and, and, and that that's reasonable. Um, so yeah, between us, we've, we've able to sort of get hold of like a bit of a fund. Um, and we're basically there to, yeah, there's a few more of us now, uh, but we're called into ultra and yeah, people can apply via the website. Um, and and we can we can help um, in in several ways actually. What we were amazed by is the amount of brands and, and coaches and events that got in touch and said we'd love to be you know we'd love to be part of this. We'll offer discounted or free whatever. So actually, 
we thought we'd just be paying out of this fund, but actually the fund is lasting longer because so many mm. companies are happy to sort of yeah offer discounted. Uh, and obviously within that into ultra, it, we're we're around fifty percent female. I don't have the sort of diversity, you know, ethnicity sort of data to hand. Um, we're, we're hoping to improve there, but but certainly, yeah, we, we were quite pleased that we're at least fifty percent female to start with. Anyway, we've, we're helping um, it's at least forty people so far. So yeah, that's been yeah really exciting, I suppose. And and yeah, I, I guess hopefully has helped some people have some great adventures they might not have had otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. But what's nice is we've been able to cross over a bit. In fact, it was it was my friend who actually suggested, like, actually, we won't support if someone wants to fly to a race, you know, not the end of the world. I, I flew to a race this year, but we're not going to actually support people flying, you know, around the world to a race. We, mm. We'll only support people who are well, not, you know, not just domestic, but yeah, are traveling, traveling in a low carbon way. And also with kit. I think in most instances, you know, if they need shoes, we're getting brand new shoes. But some of the other kit, there are some amazing companies around who are sort of refurbishing kit and, and repairing kit. And, and mostly we're sourcing from from then or, or brands that have, you know, just tie, the tiniest faults on a bit of kit or some, sometimes just something sent back because it doesn't fit. Um, we're able at the moment, we're using those brands and, yeah, trying to, trying to repurpose kit rather than just. So, the, so there is some crossover, certainly. Um we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to be sustainable in that in that respect. Mm. Yeah, and crossing over to sustainability, I wanted to make that jump as well because uh, you've uh, explained your background as a runner. But how does this translate in to the author of a climate-related book called "We Can't Run Away from This"? Like, how did your venture into topics such as climate and sustainability go about? Yeah, it it, it kind of seems obvious now looking back, but but. It, you know, two or three years ago, if you said I was going to write a book like that, I'd, I'd been quite surprised, really, I think. Um, so I think really, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sort of semi-professional or, or elite ultramarathon runner who in the past would probably fly to three races a year and, and yeah, you know, had a kit sponsor who would, you know, I would say, look at my new shoes, everyone, uh, with the implication, of course, by being, you know, you guys should buy these mm-hmm. two um, on, on social media without giving that a lot of thought. And then, yeah, two friends, now friends of mine, uh, Dan and Charlotte, um, Dan Lawson is a record-breaking GB ultra runner. They formed a, I don't think it was ever a charity, but formed a, a project called Rerun, Rerun Clothing. And, and they were raising awareness about, um, well, all the shoe waste, for example, for, for starters, you know, that companies are just encouraging us to throw away our shoes after 300 miles. And they were just being sent so many pairs of shoes that were really still had loads of life left in them. But none of those shoes get recycled. You know, they, they, they go into landfill, take hundreds of years to decompose. And then also the T-shirt waste in running was, was horrendous, just the amount of events you know, for years, I'd just do an event, you just get handed a free t-shirt at the end. Yeah. Almost you don't think about it, you just take it. And then a lot of us were realizing we, we just had a drawer full of t-shirts that we never used. And and, and all those t-shirts, I mean, a t-shirt sounds trivial, but, you know, th- there was a real cost, a human cost and a, and, a, and a sort of emissions cost and often the dyes and forever chemicals and, and things like that as well going into the environment. Um, t-shirts, says, yeah, can be surprisingly harmful. The cotton trade, yeah, ha- has its... So yeah, most clothes are either cotton or, or polyester. Uh, polyester is is oil. Cotton has its own problems. It uses huge amount of water. There's still slave slave labour in, in the cotton industry. Uh, you know, so so the more you look into it, the, the worse it gets. And then you're like, oh, running is 
running is part of the problem. I hadn't really thought because running seems quite a simple, you know, like I say, get your pair, get your get your shoes and go for a run. Well, actually, there's a, there's a load of kit that's causing a lot of harm. And, and so I guess I started to try and think, how could I be a more responsible athlete? And it was difficult to work out, which, you know, should that mean going vegan? Does that mean flying less? Does that mean repairing your kit? Um, I mean, it does mean, it does mean all those things. Um, but but yeah, I was trying to work out what, which aspects, uh, and I had my sort of, you know, um, my family's emissions analyzed and I was just trying to explore what, and I guess I did most of this quite openly, like using social media. And then I'd done one, I'd written one book and my publisher, I think they suggested it to me. I think they said, well, what about something on, you know, being a sustainable athlete, being a sustainable runner, you know, the stuff you've been exploring, how about you, you do a book on that? And so, so I did, it came out about a year ago and uh, yeah, it's called, we, we can't run away from this. And it was, yeah, it was really quite <laughs> depressing finding out, especially the sports where I would say finding out how bad some of that stuff could be and, and just how most of us just we've got no idea but partly because of greenwashing in the sports industry so that you know i mean there's a great example just hit the news just in the last few days adidas you know they're, they're the second biggest shoe brand uh, or, or, or trainer brand in the, in the world and tra- the trainer the footprint uh, pun not intended of the trainer industry is about the same as the united kingdom like the global you know, the emissions from, from the, you know, the global industry is about the same as the UK, which is just staggering. Wow. Um, and then Adidas are the second biggest and, and they make, you know, they make some shoes that has allegedly has, you know, plastic rescued from the ocean. Uh, and you'll think, Oh, okay, well they're, they're doing the right thing. Right. But just this, just this week, they've brought out a shoe that's like almost a one use only shoe that, that I, I think I, I'm shockingly, I don't know her name. I don't follow the road running scene that much, but I know the women's marathon world record was broken. I think just yesterday we're talking late mm-hmm. September and, and she was wearing a shoe that you're only really meant to wear for one marathon. And then that's, you know, that's shocking that someone, they would make a shoe that would just have such a short life. And then it goes into, yeah, it goes into landfill and doesn't decompose and all the chemicals. Yeah. Seep into the land and the soil, et cetera. Um, as well as the waste of, yeah, it being created in the first place. So, um, yeah. So the whole, the, the, and there's loads more. I, I won't get stuck into it now because I'll just get depressed and you'll get, you'll get more <laughs> depressed. But yeah, in my book, yeah, just so much, so much in the clothing industry, um, globally, that the, the huge problems. Um, and then I suppose I looked at, well, the, the next obvious thing is our travel and that will vary from runner to runner, but yeah, I was kind of flying t- two or three times a year and, and I, I've cut that back to, to, yeah, I've done one flight in, in four years, but I don't think, yeah, I mean, people can make up their own mind whether you know ha- how much they should or shouldn't fly. It's it's we're not usually the problem. It's the sort of the super elites, the the one percent who are who are much more of a problem. So yeah, travel is a big thing, and then the 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 huge events, you know, the big road running races. Usually, it's it is the participant travel that is causes the huge emissions of of, of an event if they count scope scope three, which they yeah. should. So those were the two big areas. Yeah, the sportswear and travel. And then, um, yeah, diet is a really interesting one. How much of your daily food intake is actually sort of contributing to your, your running is a difficult one to calculate. But, but yeah, hopefully most people are aware that, you know, yeah, uh, sort of international farming and, and it, it has a huge, yeah, huge footprint on the planet. Um, those were the big three areas, really. And so it's fascinating to explore, but mostly quite depressing. and. Yeah, stuck it all in a book and and 
tried to put some jokes in there to lighten it up a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to get to that because when I read your book and having been on my own journey with sustainability for quite a few years now, and I usually describe it as quite a bit of a roller coaster that sometimes you learn about things and see solutions that you go, oh, we're going to solve this. Me and my friends and all humans on earth are going to solve this together. And then you find out what's really going on in the world or you get a bit depressed coming down on the roller coaster. And then you find some new inspiration somewhere and you go upwards again and then it goes like that and you're down in the rabbit hole for ages. <laughs> but I found your book quite interesting in that regard because you do not in any way shy away from the the alarming facts of different industries and how that affects uh, the planet. But I just really enjoyed reading it because of the jokes and humor built into it. Do you think there's a, a vital or important role of humor in as you call it, the big kerfuffle fuck. <laughs> well, it certainly helps me to sort of digest it. Um, I mean, there's a danger that you sort of make it all a bit fun and really it's 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 deadly serious. But yeah, I, I kind of couldn't cope with what I was finding out, really. Uh, and and yeah, calling it like the big kerfuffle fuck and, and yeah, finding a few climate change jokes. <laughs> like, I think you've, you've got to kind of you know, not, not laugh at it as such, but it, I, I think there's a, there's an element of almost putting yourself into, and I've probably had spells like this of just getting so feeling so overwhelmed by it that you do, I suppose you do nothing or you, or you just, or you give up or you kind of think this is, you know, how could you turn this around? Uh, or it's, mm. it's, it's too late. And yeah, that, that's, that, that's my solution, I suppose, is to be able to have a little chuckle at it. But, um, I think, I don't know if you're going to ask me this or not, but what I've really realized is, is getting together with other people is really, and that's partly why, yeah, the, the, the green runners, uh, which is an organization some of us sort of started a year and a half ago has been, been brilliant actually. Just, just knowing there are other people who feel the same mm. is re so helpful. I mean, you can sort of do that online to an extent, but, but sometimes, you know, you don't really get to know people online that well, do you? So, but the green runners has helped me. I hadn't really thought about this before until, but, but like it's helped me just, deal with it all i suppose um you yeah. just think well there are a load of other people they understand it too that's that's it's that's really helpful yeah that's nice and i totally relate to that in terms of the people i have, have around myself and how we humanize what we are feeling um so that it's both a shared feeling of okay we understand the direness of this and it's also a shared understanding of okay i'm gonna do this thing in my lane over here and you're gonna do this thing over that in that lane so that you feel as teammates in in doing something good for the world. And I think that's really helpful for my mental states, at least. But I wanted to ask you, because if if I describe that as my lane, uh, what I'm doing, you're, you could say that your lane is the, the running world and like trying to really shine light on what is happening in terms of uh, more consumption made by runners than the average general Joe living in a country because of... Uh, gear travel uh, and those types of things so one thing that i am hoping to do with this episode specifically is to kind of trojan horse this topic into my running and swim round friends who are not as uh, curious about sustainability perhaps because i think what you're doing to the avenue of trail running and um, ultra running is you're kind of coming across there because of your ultra running background and i think that's a great way to uh, also do activism in in the field that you're in um have you had lots of 
conversations and people show up to you and say have reactions from the the book who are i imagine the reader of the book is mainly part of the running community and has that shifted anything uh, if you have had those types of feedback yeah well i mean my fear my fear is i suppose with the book that that i'm just preaching to the converted because probably people are only going to buy it if they're already a bit concerned and a bit knowledgeable i'm still surprised sometimes on social media by the sort of how do I say this politely? This sort of some of the sort of simplistic criticisms of that that I get, and I I I sometimes think, well, hold on, I've answered that in the book, but of course it doesn't. <laughs> you know, not everyone's going to read the book, and and especially if they're not that interested, but they like you know, they like pointing fingers or they like a bit of what aboutery. So yeah, I mean, people have been very kind about it, um, and yeah, I sometimes get messages from people kind of saying, um, oh, I didn't realize all this, and this is this is terrible. And it's made me do this, which is, yeah, I mean, that's hugely gratifying. And, and it's certainly a book that I didn't ever expect to sort of make money from, but I just felt like I've got this information. I've got to share this. Like people mm. need to know this, but I guess, yeah, the tricky thing is how do you reach the people? I'm not too bothered. I got asked recently, like sort of, how do you deal with sort of climate change deniers? And it's like, well, <laughs> I can't be bothered to, to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, there's science there and, and people either believe in science or they don't. And if they don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not giving up on them totally, but I, I, I've got more important things to do than, than to try and explain science to people. But there's a whole load of people, uh, you know, various polls have showed in between who care, but aren't really sure what to do or, or, mm. you know, where their main impacts are. And I suppose it's those people you want to sort of galvanize a bit. I would say probably, if I'm honest, like the Green Runners has probably reached more people in that way. Although, yeah, I, th- I think my book sold maybe 2000 copies and we've got about a thousand green runners in the world so it sounds like it's not that way but my guess is that the green runners it's important not to be i think not to be too sort of preachy or in a way like going back to the jokes not to be too serious about it because if that i don't know if you know this phrase but like that sort of holier than now attitude of like i'm perfect and everyone else should be perfect uh and i think hopefully by being open that for example yeah i did take one flight this year I've always been open about that. Like, hopefully, you know, and, and to some people that's horrendous or not good enough, or and to a lot of people it's perfectly reasonable. Um, but I think that we debated this when we we're setting up the Green Runners is like we're not perfect. Like, no one can be perfect. We will always have some sort of footprint. Um, so we're just trying. We're asking people: can they improve? But also, can they speak out? That's the more important thing, and that mm-hmm. could mean lots of different things. Um, but I, I would say, actually, yeah, I, I, thinking about it out loud now, I, I actually think, yeah, the Green Runners has probably had more impact in reaching people than, than, than my book, I would think. Both initiatives are great, but I wanted to touch on what you said there with uh, not waiting around for perfect. And I think you hit the head on the nail here in, in your book. Uh, you said something along the lines of it's better to be a hypocrite than to be an asshole. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the way you said it there when you you're not being perfect in every possible regard because that is very hard to be in in this day and age in the modern world, but rather doing the best you can and also being transparent about what you do and don't do. I think that's the way to go to, because if we start pointing finger at each other, we who want to do good things and be sustainable, then we're, I think that can slow progress down if we're, we have to be perfect in every single way, which is not possible. Well, that's, yeah, that's it. And, and, and I wouldn't have, before I started researching the book, I wouldn't really have thought about that. And, and I would have thought, well, some people must be perfect. And then, but you just, you, you pretty much can't be, um, even if you're 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, for example, I've turned, you know, I have turned vegan. So that should, in theory, reduce my footprint from food, which is about a quarter of someone's footprint, could reduce that that 25% by up to 74%. But I'm still going to eat, right? And, and nearly every, mm. well, I, I, unless I forage for mushroom myself and don't cook it, yeah, if I just eat mushrooms picked out the the woods nearby and rainwater, I think I could do that. I think that would be no emissions, but it's, you know, that wouldn't be healthy just to eat on mushrooms. Um, so hopefully you can see the point, like everyone's going to have some level of footprint. Yes. Footprints vary wildly. And, and usually if people are fresh to this, they can make two or three quite big changes, quite, quite a lot and reduce mm. their footprint. And usually that's going to be sort of travel energy for your home, perhaps your diet and your, and your consumption habits. But and I still see it. I still I see it in races. I see brands do it, and I see individual, some elite runners as well. You know, they're afraid to sort of join in and speak out because they might fly once or twice a year, and they know yeah. people will call them hypocrite. And some people will, um, but it's only a small percentage, I think. And 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 it's just irrelevant, really. And yeah, that the, the hypocrite or asshole thing comes from. Uh, we've got a comedian here called Jonathan Jonathan Pye, and I wasn't actually a huge fan of him, but then he he did this great sort of tirade about about against people calling you know people who said oh you're a hypocrite because you you know you got in a car once you know it, it was a great tirade against those people who say that and and he was just saying well you're either a hypocrite you're going to be a hypocrite we all are going to be hypocrites or you know so you, your choice is be a hypocrite or be, a, be an asshole so and i think that's yeah i think that summed it up nicely so so i yeah on some of my social media profiles it says climate hypocrite now i should clarify that doesn't mean I'm just carrying on like I did before. Like I say, I've got, I've turned vegan. I've, um, yeah, I produced my flying from three times a year to one in four years. Um, again, not perfect, but you can see that's a huge improvement. Mm -hmm. But then the other debate on top of that, which fascinates me still and is in the book is kind of like, yeah, individual mm -hmm. actions versus bigger actions that push for system change. And that's obvious that the obvious thing there is things like voting, I suppose, you know, joining organizations, emailing your MP, joining protests in the street, joining civil disobedience even. Now, to some, to, the, to me, those are far more important things to do. But yeah, to some people, they'll be more intimidating. Or, or I mean, if voting, we, here we get to vote once every five years, really. I mean, there are smaller elections as well, but yeah. it's not very satisfying to think, you know, just voting once in five years isn't, isn't, <laughs> isn't very satisfying. It's not That's the not biggest enough. lever of change. No, no. But where was I going? But yeah, I mean, most people end up doing both really, you know, an, an yeah. element of both. Um, I will say this about your book though, that it, uh, it became the glue in a new uh, relationship with a fellow organizer of mine. So I got it sent to me as a gift from an, an organizer in the South of Sweden who has an, uh, a trail run in a natural uh, environment. And, um, uh, we started talking about sustainability and he sent me your book and we started discussing the book and oh. uh, what I gained from the book was partly a reflection on, on my life as, uh, I don't know if I call myself an athlete, but at least I'm an active person. And, uh, but more so on the, on the role I have as a race organizer. Um, so I got a lot of insights there and ideas for how I could design and communicate different aspects of my right. Um, so that to, to spread information and also try different options to, I've been trying to make the race sustainable for, for years, but I definitely got some new inspiration from the book that you wrote. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm wanting to go down the route now in the conversation of, uh, how you as an athlete also 
see the role as participants in competitions? Like what are some criteria you set for races? What are your questions that you need to ask uh, the race director in order to help organizers improve as well? Well, thank, thank you for that. Um... I must have, I did feel a bit of an imposter going into that area when, you know, I've never arranged an event. I, d- I don't know. I, I've been behind the scenes on some events and, and worked in a sort of media team, but not been, not being, you know, part of the, the, the people really doing it. And it, it, it looks really hard work and stressful. So yeah. And I, I hope I get, had a nice tone of, of not, not laying it on too thick. And of course the, the, for nearly most events, 89, 80 to 90% of the emissions will be from the, the people running and how they got there. And I think most race directors could feel like, well, that that's not on them like that. But they but they could have a really important role to play, firstly, in educating people, and secondly, trying to incentivize better, better travel. Um, yeah, it's a really tricky one. There isn't... Um, there isn't at the moment a sort of framework uh, that we can, a universal framework we can sort of check in on. But I do know, I do know someone very well in, in the Green Runners who's working on one. So there's, there's a company in, a, uh, sorry, an organisation in America called the Council for Responsible Sport. I'm pretty sure it's that, and they've had a, an app called the Rescore app working over there, and we've we're we're sort of adapting it for the UK. I think it's all right to say that it, it should be out quite very soon. The London Marathon have been using it. So it's basically an app that, that you can go in and, 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 and sort of check your event. Um, and it's got mm-hmm. lots of, um, I'll send you, I'll send you a link afterwards. Um, yeah, hopefully solutions for every sort of question. And so hopefully in a year or so, you know, I guess the more events that sign up to it, the better, but that will give us a, a, a framework and a, and a score and that sort of thing. It's a great question. Cause I, I actually did a, I had to give a talk about a year ago now and I interviewed about 20 elite runners and ask them sort of you know did they care about an event sustainability and most of them said yeah i think it was three quarters said that was important but then none of us actually know what well i got some ideas but most of us don't know what what to actually look for like okay Mm. the the event stopped doing t-shirts there's there's no plastic bottle waste i mean that sounds great but those aren't the most important things the travel is the most important thing so if everyone has to fly there like yeah for example utmb have just started a race you know on uh in mauritius now, if that's mostly locals doing that, then great, brilliant. But it, but it, if it's lots of people flying there, that's a bad event. That like even if they have no plastic waste, no t-shirt waste, no food waste, a yeah. huge amount of emissions have been created by you know everyone flying there. Again, I'm not saying no one should fly to races, but but we should probably all be aware of of the damage there. So really, for me, it's like it's probably less about what the race does and and how you know can I get there can I get there in a low carbon travel, you know, on low carbon transport? So, I mean, the race I just did, um, Tour de Gion in, in Italy. Um, I'm lucky that from the UK, yeah, we can get there on trains and trains and buses. So actually that's more likely to be the, the, the factors I pick. Um, my next race, yeah, is the spine. It's domestic. I can get there on trains. That's actually the bigger, the bigger factor. So that's actually kind of not much that the race does, although I, I hope races are starting to incentivize more and educate more so it's a great it's a great question and then yeah i mean i do love it if a race is analyzed obviously externally audited their carbon footprint some of the big yeah london marathon paris marathon some of the big races have and then over here we got sort of the dragons back and aurora events they, they always do that with theirs which i really commend they do the cape wrath ultra as well dragons back 
they you know and like we said earlier it's about you know being transparent you know getting those calculations being transparent and then having a plan to improve now there's one last thing that's only come up recently and that is um sponsorship so i hadn't really thought about this till recently but some events have high carbon sponsors and the the game changer sponsorship pledge defines that as as airports or airlines fossil fuels banks that support fossil fuels or car manufacturers and i don't know if, i don't know if you're aware but the yeah, the utmb is is the biggest race in our sport and they've just just it's just happened a few weeks ago and they've got a new sponsor called darcia which is a car manufacturer so um i pledged i've pledged not to yeah not to run that not to run that race while they and i've done it uh well you completed it four times not to you know for me that's that's too much that 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 is not that is not appropriate you know the the very sponsor you know the the very terrain that the race benefits from from being so beautiful is is under threat yeah. and especially in the chamonix valley where the glaciers you can almost visibly see them shrinking um yeah. you know they have a car manufacturer and that is obviously adding to the problems um so we've actually had a great time with the green runners we um we got a petition going and, and sort of i think nearly three thousand people have signed it from 60 countries you know um and we we've had conversations with utmb because because you know we felt strongly in the, and to, to their credit they they're, they're listening and um to an extent so that's a new so actually quite a few of the road marathons especially in america have high carbon sponsors berlin is the bmw berlin marathon so that's a new element i hadn't thought about a, until a few months ago but actually yeah if a, if a race has a headline sponsor a high carbon headline sponsor i'm i'm personally not going to do it um and it obviously it'd be brilliant if if, if lots of people thought like that as well so yeah those are the things that was quite a waffly answer but those are the things that i tend to think about yeah and it's so interesting this the the space in between the organizers and the athletes or the relationship between the organizer and the sponsors that i think it's these spaces uh, and interactions where a lot of change can happen uh, because I think that's where conversations get spurred and uh, you start to realize that, oh, if the participants really care about this, then I probably must care about it as well. Um, okay. And yeah. I think, well, it's just the perspective. And I think uh, what I'm trying to do, which is kind of my modus operandi right now, is that I want to use the race that I have as a place where I can uh, inform and try new ideas so that they maybe can stick uh, with people and they say oh it was great that this race didn't hand uh, out t-shirts and that they didn't hand out uh, swimming caps when i have 15 lying in a drawer back home so maybe i can say this to the next organizer i meet and uh, yeah building on the ripples from these types of uh, initiatives is what i hope definitely i feel like in britain anyway the t-shirt thing has got real sort of traction and and is well known now that you know i don't need another t-shirt you know please don't please don't give me a t-shirt you know and and uh, the manchester i'm pretty sure the manchester marathon which is a big you know a pretty big deal here they stopped doing t-shirts a year or two ago and they said of course mm. some people weren't happy but actually when people understand yeah it's definitely definitely the t-shirt thing t-shirts and medals perhaps is is getting getting well known over here and it does happen like like you say i think one runner goes oh yeah we don't need that and the next race they go to it sometimes it's just when you register for a race just sort of saying it says t-shirt size um and sometimes actually i found you can't get past that bit without putting something in so yeah. but i'll do that and then in the next box that i possibly can i'll say please don't, i don't need another t-shirt please don't give me a t-shirt and i think the message is i think it's getting there there's a company here called trees not tees and i'll admit i'm a, an ambassador for them and they'll they make it free for a race organization to basically plant a tree instead as in the runner can pick um, for the same cost, you know, like 
actually I don't need a t-shirt I can plant a tree which is which is quite a cool little thing yeah yeah I think you're right though it really it spreads it spreads quite quickly I think yeah and I think there's lots of these low-hanging fruits if you will that uh, when people just get aware and they start to actually reflect then is that oh maybe I'm even better off if I don't get the t-shirt and the world and I am better off if someone does something uh, positive like plant a tree instead I think the awareness piece of actually having an event. And I think the event specifically that people want to come to, and it's a celebration of the sport, it's a celebration of the community of people who go there, that uh, it can also be a great avenue of uh, creating positive difference, I think, which is what I'm hoping. So, uh, and it's it's a delicate one because I think as we just spoke briefly on before pressing record that one of our goals is to make sustainability and acting for sustainability not that you feel that you do mainly out of dread but of longing for something better of wanting to be part of creating positive change and uh, i think if uh, we we with events and different activities can make it inspiring for people to be part of this and to feel like they are part of a movement and that they're making great decisions uh, i think that can be as you invented one word, I invented the saying uh, pragmatic optimism. I think that's a great term for people to not be worn down by the negativity. But as you find your humor, that people find some sort of pragmatic optimism. Uh, because I think events has that element to it that people come there and celebrate. Yes, yes. And I definitely see that in the greed runners. There's definitely a lot of as we hoped, you know, people seem proud to to put the little badge on their pack or their or their t-shirt or the hat, um, and then to sort of celebrate or or show, you know, show that they, um, yeah, just show off the badge or show what they were doing. Um, or, and and yeah, we celebrate if we hear a race has yeah given up the t-shirts or incentivized travel in some way. You know, we love to celebrate that. And I think yeah, that key thing is community making people feel they're part of a community working towards something better. That seems really mm. quite powerful. Cool. You mentioned there a bit what the, the Green Runners are working on, and uh, I'm really curious, is there anything else that is uh, a big upcoming thing for you or something you're working on? Oh, well, <laughs> we've got a we've got a meeting tonight. I, I, <laughs> I don't know if I can make it, so I'm not sure. Um, yeah, no, we, we I, I think this UTMB thing took, um, well, it was more successful and, and took more energy than maybe we realized. And then I went straight into a race as well. So I must admit, I'm in, a, I'm in a bit of a sort of recovery spiral from both um, both the race and and the Green Runners. Um, uh, although, yeah, just last week we had we had another chat to UTMB, um, and yeah, I can't give too much away, but we're hoping to, and maybe I'm being naive and thinking that things will really change, but we're we're hoping to have you know, they're encouraging us to carry on talking to them about some ideas. So that that's definitely something to focus on, but but yeah, probably won't be anything public for a long time. Yeah, no, we don't have anything. Yeah, we've got some ideas. We've got some ideas, but they're they're sort of early ideas um, for now. I do want to. So the Green Runners has sort of four pillars. It's sort of how how you travel, how you how you fuel, how you kit up, and how you speak up. And and I do worry that there's almost too much emphasis on the individual to mm. to, to to make sacrifices and change things. Um, so to me, the speaking up is is by far the by far the more important and and the one to concentrate on for, for, for me anyway. So yeah, we we we'll be scheming away and seeing what else we can um, what else we can uh, come up with. Obviously, yeah, we didn't like we didn't like that Adidas shoe, the Adidas shoe thing. Um, so we're, yeah, we'll ha we'll have a think about that. 
I'm uh, looking forward to hearing more about what you have upcoming as well. And one thing that we always ask uh, kind of towards the, the end of these conversations is um, what you would like to encourage to listeners throughout this decade. Is there something that you feel that you specifically want to encourage? Gosh, what a question. Um, I, 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 think it, I think we've got to hold hold the big guys to to account uh i know that sounds quite daunting and um and isn't <laughs> i don't know how optimistic that sounds but i think to to repeat myself a little bit i do think there's too much emphasis on us as individuals so the idea of a personal mm. carbon footprint came from bp or at least the um the the pr firm that was advising bp at the time now now of course that's, that matters to an extent like yeah if someone's flying six times a year yeah I'd, I'd, well, without good reason, I, I do think, yeah, they should be considering that and, and whether whether that's the right thing. But but really, for most of us, we're probably not the problem at all. And I think we've got to, yeah, we've got to not let the big guys get away with stuff, really. I'm trying to spin that in a positive way. But I would say joining in protests in the street is is wonderfully sort of, um, it's a wonderful feeling, actually. I, I always come away feeling far more energized and, and happy than, than anything else I do, I think, in this. So, um, and that's often with, say, Extinction Rebellion or, or, or Just Stop Oil or, or those guys. I would say, yeah, if you get the chance, go and join protests in the street. It's, it's um, again, it's community, it's sharing with other people. And it's so reassuring to see there are thousands, tens of thousands, you know, there are millions of people who feel mm. similarly, you know, similarly a bit, a bit, yeah, frustrated and a bit, disillusioned and um but it, it gives you hope it honestly does and 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 actually joining a protest is far less committing than say going vegan um which, which you know is changes everything in a way whereas yeah. going joining a protest for an afternoon depending on yeah how, how close it is to you but, but it is can be can be wonderful yeah so i would say try and yeah let's make sure we hold the big guys to account and one of the best ways is 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 protest um i believe nice thank you i just about made that positive right I think so. I think you did a good <laughs> job. <laughs> um, and if people are liking what they hear and they feel like, hmm, um, good climate information with a sense of humor in it, uh, I want to <laughs> hear more about that. Where uh, is there any place you would advise them to go if they want to learn more about you or the work that you do? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm on most. Um most so social media platforms i'm not on i'm not on tiktok uh but yeah i'm on i like instagram probably the most instagram by all means follow follow me there and, and yeah um drop me a line if you like um that would be lovely uh i would say also yeah just check out the green runners it's just the greenrunners.com i'm pretty sure and yeah well by all means come and join us we're, we're um we we like as like we're back to that perfection conversation we're not saying anyone has to be perfect we're just asking people to yeah, I suppose think about making progress themselves, but but more importantly, speaking up. And you only have to pledge to. It's just a couple of pounds to get your badge, and you just have to pledge to. Um, well, it's kind of up to you what you pledge to to do, really. So yeah. yeah, anyone's welcome, even if you you know, even if you eat meat every day, and and you know, no one's banning buying new shoes occasionally, or or even you know, occasional flying if you think it's if you think it's worth it for you, if you think it's important. So yeah, we're we're not um, we're not too um, what's the word righteous or, or telling people what they should do we just want yeah as many runners as possible and that that will give us yeah collectively more influence we're, we're, we reached a thousand members recently in just sort of a year and a half and it means yeah when we when we when we find a cause like the utmb thing for example um 
yeah, we, we could kick up a fuss and they, they're listening to us. You know, um, mm. I might be naive to think, let's see what actually changes, but we've had two long conversations that, that they said, okay, well, listen, you know, so that felt like we could have some influence and we, the more people we are, the more we can have. Um, so yeah, please, please come and join us. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you to anyone who, who already has. Amazing. Yeah, it's a great cause. And uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, this podcast to to share some of uh, your insights and uh, lessons from uh, the journeys that you've had. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your great work. It's really, you know, it's, it's really important. And uh, yeah, keep it up. Trying to spread the word. Thank you. <laughs> You're doing great. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decade podcast. I would like to ask you to reflect on anything in this episode that impacted you or left an impression that you could take with you in this decade of action. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend or in your network on social media. And as always, feel free to reach out with feedback, questions or topics you would like us to cover. You can reach us through our social media or on the decade podcast at gmail.com and we hope to see you more further down the road throughout this decade thank you until next time